0: Welcome to the Close Knit Podcast, a podcast showcasing fiber artists from around the world. We'll hear from sewers, knitters, natural dyers, you name it. All are welcome on the Close Knit Podcast. I'm your host, Ani Lee, and in this week's episode, I'm talking to Caitlin Murray of Raglan Street Wears. Caitlin is a knitter who started Raglan Street Wears to bring her modern and fresh knits to the world. Listen on for my whole conversation with Caitlin and check out the blog, closeknit.com.au. For show notes. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, uh, it's Ani of Close Knit, and I'm here with Caitlin from Raglan Street Wears. I'm sitting with Caitlin at my dining room table, and we are having tea and Nutella donuts, which is good. And I wanted to ask Caitlin a few questions about um, being a fiber artist, designer, knitwear maker, that sort of thing. So I'm just going to jump straight into it. What's your what's your fibre of choice? What medium do you gravitate towards the most?
1: This is such a hard question because I don't actually think about things in terms of fibre. I more think of things in terms of where it comes from. So I always always try and do Australian made in terms of when I'm choosing yarn for my for my knitwear. So it has to be Australian made. Um, I think there's just such a great thing about natural fibres as well. So cottons for spring summer bamboo as well I haven't done much in bamboo but I think next spring summer I'm gonna Mm. gonna get into the bamboo and then coming from Australia I think you have to do wool you have to do wool in winter yeah (laughs) there's just so much beautiful merino out there but then I also love choosing a fiber that is reclaimed and in that sense I don't really worry too much about the fiber context specifically like I don't mind if it's got a bit of something else in it Mm. because I think it's just just so important to try and reuse and reclaim yarns and just recycle whenever you can so yeah and your craft medium of choice is that knitting or definitely for raglan streetways I have so many craft mediums and hobbies yeah so, (laughs) so knitting is what I'm kind of focusing on at the moment It always has been. It always has been. When I was studying fashion, I just gravitated towards it, I think, because I got a knitting machine, like a really old knitting machine, and was just experimenting with that. And it was just something that we weren't really taught at university, so I wanted to explore it more just on my own. So, yeah, knitting has always been my craft of choice, I suppose, but just generally I'm pretty experimental with most things. And you crochet as well. I crochet a little bit. Yeah. My sister's really into crocheting, so I do that a little tiny bit. I'm also really into, just because knitting is not my hobby anymore, and what do you do when your hobby becomes your business? Yeah. <laughs> your hobby has to be something else. So I'm really into um, needlepoint. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what I like to do, not as a business. That's like my craft hobby. Yeah. Is there anything that's on your needles right now, or your needle. Bring your needlepoint? No, because I finished. I finished my last project. Yeah.
1: And it was my birthday last month, and I wanted my mum. That was kind of what I asked my mum to buy me for my birthday a new tapestry.
0: Yeah.
1: But we just haven't got around to going to the store yet. Hopefully, I'll get. I'll get something soon. But.
0: Cool. Yeah, I'm just
1: thinking what my next
0: thing will be. Yeah. What did you? What was the one you just finished?
1: Um, I did a tapestry that the English designer William Morris. I think it's William Morris. I always forget what his name is. Basically, he was in the turn of the century in England. He started kind of the craft movement as design, not just mm. not just like in your home. So he designed so many tapestries and he designed um, tiles and yeah, it was oh, it's just beautiful. So I went to visit his house, which was amazing in England, and oh. I bought one of his tapestry. Yeah, William Morris, English textile designer. Oh. And he was also a
0: social activist. In case you can't tell, we're Googling William Morris at the moment. <laughs> cool. Okay, so you found out about so this he, he guy.
1: Yeah, he is like the British arts and crafts movement at the turn of the century. Oh, wow. Cool. And you can still buy his um, his designs in reproduction fabric and I mean obviously you can get tapestry kits and that's what I was doing yeah Um, and I think you can get even tiles and
0: cool yeah okay well I'm gonna have to check that out after this because that's really cool cool um so what's your favorite part about the fiber world and what's one thing in particular that you're excited about right now
1: I think my favorite part about the fiber arts but not even just fiber arts just handmade kind of movement at the moment everyone is so nice and there's just such a community that i didn't even know about until i really started thinking about raglan street wears and started instagramming and started Mm. um it's mainly instagram that i think everyone that's where i connected with everyone and they are just everyone's so positive and everyone's so nice Mm. and um coming from a fashion background that i do i i've worked commercially in the fashion industry for a while You just don't get that because the fashion industry has a different kind of conversation around it. It's more about aesthetic and the latest trends, whereas they think handmade doesn't have the latest trends and everyone can appreciate what everyone else is doing because they know that, oh, that must have taken you so long. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what I'm most excited about in the fiber world or just handmade world, really. Yeah. Oh, what am I most excited about right now? Um, personally, I'm excited about starting to design my winter collection, even though it's going to be so hard because it's like 40 degrees now in Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's and way too and hard I've for that. got to start thinking about long sleeve jumpers and things. But, um, I know I'm just going to take a bit of time off and just delve into a lot of inspiration and think about things and think about what I want to do next
0: season. And yeah, that, that'll be really nice so going to museums and stuff between your kind of end of summer and pre-winter what does that time kind of look like like are you going to are you going to take a significant break of time or how does that look for you well i think i want to try and finish up
1: knitting my spring summer orders i want to say by the end of next week <laughs> awesome. that's my personal deadline we'll yeah. see how that goes and then then it's December so we're pretty much in Christmas time yeah so I think I'll start thinking about it but more just maybe like just going to some museums and just you know getting back into because it's really hard to turn your brain from uh, making back to like now I've got to be inspired by things that aren't knitwear because I don't like to be inspired by knitwear because mm. I think that's just like you know you got to you've got to look outside your own medium and Colours and textures in So yeah and then I'm actually going I'm going away from Sydney for Probably about three weeks over the Christmas New Year period so that'll be nice. nice So I won't really be doing that much then either Yeah So then come back to Sydney in late Jan Feb when it's 40 degrees And get out my knitting machine <laughs> <laughs> I actually bought a chunky knitting machine Oh yeah So that means I can knit Like 12 ply yarns mm but I haven't played around with it that much. Mm. Um, so that'll be exciting because at the moment my knitting machine is just for up to 4 ply. So it's quite it's quite skinny. Yeah. Which I don't mind actually. I think there's going to be because you know how chunky knitting's so in right now and it's kind of like gone to this mega extreme where it's like you use your big giant broom handles. <laughs> yeah. I think perhaps maybe maybe not next season but I think there's definitely going to be a movement back towards the finer stuff that drapes really beautifully and mm. um, still has really nice big silhouettes. But you don't have to make that out of a you don't have to make that out of a giant like 24 ply yarn.
0: Yeah. No, that's actually something I've been thinking a lot about and wondering about, sort of the practicality of in especially. I in saw this you post show. that but on Facebook. Yeah, hey? yeah.
1: And I knew where you were coming from because we yeah. had this conversation before. Yeah, but. The responses
0: were, most people are still totally into it. Hey? Super into it. And I think yeah. especially because a lot of the people, what we're talking about is a group that I run called the Sydney Knitting Gang on Facebook, and it's mostly beginning knitters. So I think that that's, I think that's part of it. Like mm. mo- when you're still starting out, and for me this was true when I was starting out knitting, it was like the chunkier the better. That means it's fast. That means it's kind of in this trendy space right now where mm. everything is like bigger, better. Yeah, broomstick broomstick handle, knit, knitting needles. Um, but I think you're right that they're, at least for me, as I've kind of knitted more, I've gotten more interested in, in drape and mm-hmm. texture and finer kind of materials.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think it's
0: really but isn't a 12-ply yarn, isn't that chunky? In, no. In the world of chunky. And the not at all. It? Yeah, that's not at all. But that sounds really nice. So you're thinking... Have you thought about, like, what you're kind of going to focus on? I know that last collection you had, like, a nice sort of big chunky, that well, semi-chunky, like, ribbed scarf. Yeah. I actually haven't thought about it at all. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, how could you? You're still, like, in the middle of your spring-summer collection.
1: Yeah. I, the only thing I was thinking about is maybe keeping the same mood and inspiration. So for spring-summer, I was inspired by Picnic at Hanging Rock. Have you, have you ever seen that? No an Australian movie. It's amazing. Oh. You have to look it up. Okay, It's meant to be, it's based on a book where these girls from a Victorian boarding school go for a picnic on Valentine's Day at Picnic at Hanging Rock. Okay, So at Hanging Rock. And two of the school children, one of the teachers never return. They just disappear because they like go up to have a little hike in the rock and they never found again. And it's very moody. It's by Peter Weir. He's an amazing director. And so, yeah, I was just inspired by the Australiano and the Victorian clothing. Not that you can really see that in my designs, because I like to not be too literal, but just in things like the color palette and the um, little details and the crochet edges and stuff. Anyway, I was thinking maybe it would be really interesting to keep that, but explore it for a different season.
0: Mm. I don't know watch this space probably won't end up doing that (laughs) that's just what I thought of last night how did you get your start with knitting and fiber arts in the fiber world and that's the first part of the question and then the other part of the question which I'm especially interested in talking to people about is what keeps you motivated to continue on this sort of fiber arts journey and business journey
1: um well
0: I I started
1: in knitting because my mum and my grandma taught me and they're very, my mum is an extremely creative person, very creative, we were always crafting, doing everything as children so that's probably where I kind of started down this path but then I went to university and did a degree in fashion and textile design. and as we were talking with before, we kind of dabbled in knitwear, but nothing really all that uh, heavy was written into the syllabus or anything, so I kind of looked look in, looked into it myself. Yeah, and from there I just went into the commercial fashion industry and but always kind of kept doing my own knitwear on the side and then this year I decided to do it more formally. It's a quite a long story, but that's the short that's the short version um and then we're talking about motivation which is how do you keep yourself motivated it is so hard and it's quite funny that we're talking about this right now because at the moment i'm not feeling super motivated (laughs) yeah but there's cycles one week i'll feel like oh i don't know what i'm doing and then the next week something will happen and i feel really good about it Mm. yeah i uh how do i keep motivated probably just that cycle I think also I don't knit full-time because I'm also a freelance designer. Mm. So that helps with motivation because when I have a job working on something else for part of a week or a week or a couple of weeks, um, it mixes things up. And whilst I'm working on those jobs, I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be so nice when I can get back to my knitting. And then just lately I have been, because I'm quite bad at not realizing when I have reached mini goals, like mm-hmm. I like setting lots of goals, but recently I've had to go, okay, I need to stop and have a think and think it's coming to the end of the year. Let's, how about I think about at the beginning of the year where I want it to be and yeah. just little things that, um, even getting a stockist is like, whoa, I can't believe I got a stockist. Mm. At the beginning of the year, I just was just this tiny little fish. Yeah, so just stopping and thinking about thinking about things that have happened in positive light yeah instead of always going oh my gosh oh, look at that person they've got 3000 instagram followers i don't have that many <laughs> yeah you know when, when you first start your instagram account i mean like 500 is amazing yeah yeah so
0: you're pretty stoked about
1: just that. just not always looking forward yeah probably yeah but it's very hard it's very hard to keep motivated.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine. And it is, it is even, I guess another aspect of it that I wonder is sort of there's the business motivation because now you knit as your business, but <laughs> is there is there other motivation or is the motivation different with other craft types like with your tapestry or with crochet or with whatever thing you're kind of dabbling in on the side? Like how do you, I guess partly motivation, but partly time as well. Do you find that you need to sort of make time for those things, or how does that fit in? Um,
1: definitely have to make time, which is not that easy. I I find it, I don't really find motivation a problem when I'm doing something just for myself. Because, Mm. you know, it's like, you can just put it down and pick it back up. And the only thing is I'm quite bad with starting projects and then getting maybe 35, no, 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 like 75% finished. And then I'll just leave it in a bag for three months and Oh, yeah, I was knitting that little dress for myself. Oh I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what the question was now.
0: Oh, we we're just talking about it like motivating for stuff outside of like business knitting. Like yeah. knitting knitting. I've for actually yourself, never or... thought it about
1: never thought about it in terms of
0: motivation mm.
1: because you're doing it for yourself so you don't need yeah. you don't need that kind of motivation.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting point. Yeah, maybe I'm focusing too much on completing to-do lists and things like that sometimes, even when it's just for yourself, you know, it can easily become a chore or something like that. Yes, it can become a chore.
1: I'm actually knitting for myself. Mm-hmm. The the kitchen witch's beach tank, did you? Oh, yeah. 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 So that is something that is particularly hard to keep myself motivated because I'm knitting it for myself, so yeah. I'm not knitting it for business or anything really yeah that is hard because I do so much knitting for other purposes yeah so I am probably about three quarters of the way through that tank and like (laughs) I just need to do it it's in a tote bag sitting next to my bed because when I watch Netflix I'm like I'll definitely do some recreational knitting but yeah no I need to get onto it maybe over the um December period when I'm away, I can I can take it with me. There
0: you go. Yeah. 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 It's funny how that works. What's the biggest bit of advice that you have for someone who's just starting out on their kind of fiber journey or their foray into fiber arts or the craft world? Giving advice,
1: I don't even know if I'm at the place
0: to give advice yet, you know? Like I know what you mean. I still feel like such a newbie. But I think that that's such a perspective part of it because someone who has no knowledge of knitting, to them, you're an expert. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you are. You're actually an expert in for so many different people. So you, I think you are in a position to give advice. And it's whatever we you know, whatever advice kind of that fits with you.
1: I'm just trying to think like some amazing advice when I started. I suppose mm-hmm. the thing is. Okay, if you're thinking about starting a business like I started Raglan Street Wears, from the beginning the idea of starting a business, not not like to make a million dollar empire, just I just wanted to start a fashion label and design. Yeah. Design but for a purpose. Design for the purpose of getting it out there and getting stockers and that kind of stuff. I suppose the biggest bit of advice which I did not take myself was start something while you still even have that full-time job. Mm. And it's so easy to say, and I've heard other people, like people, I have heard this said before and people said it to me and I did try it for quite a while, trying to work full-time as a fashion designer and knit on the weekends. But I suppose if I look back, I would probably try and do that for longer Mm. because I pretty much quit my full-time job, decided I was going to do freelance and start this business at the same time. And it worked out really well, but if I had had a bit more of a established even like a blog I didn't even have a blog when I started (laughs) even if I just had an established kind of presence Mm. for my knitting or for my designs it probably would have made me stress less Mm. saying that I'm pretty stressy so I probably would have stressed no matter what (laughs) (laughs) can relate to that (laughs) but um when you're in a really horrible full-time job that you hate it is so hard to motivate yourself on the weekends to be in the frame of mind where you want to be creative and be happy to mm-hmm. be creative.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that that's why I made the, the jump sooner than I should have, but sometimes you just got to do it because you got to get out of toxic environments.
0: Yeah.
1: It's amazing how much a toxic job can affect 7 days a week, not just like 5 days a week. Totally. Yeah. So, if you can Maybe keep that full-time job or even like your four-day job or a part-time job or something. Yeah, yeah. But um, then again, if, if you feel like you want to take the leap, then just do it. I mean, worst comes to worst. You just kind of, oh, I need to go back and get that part-time job. And you can do that. Yeah. Um, I've been very lucky that I haven't had to do that because I've I've been able to freelance and knit and it's keeping me in that position where i don't have to go do a retail job but yeah yeah. so in terms of if you're starting a business that would probably be it yeah but um just in terms of fiber arts just do everything so many people are scared to start something but i don't yeah just go and try and youtube is amazing Mm -hmm. youtube is so good so um just give it a go yeah, yeah. I don't know. I come from a mentality where I just look at something and I'm like, I can probably make that. <laughs> yeah. And I know it's not going to be perfect, mm. but I think people have to stop thinking that they should not start a creative project because they don't know how to do it. Like everyone knows doesn't know how to do it in the beginning. Yeah. That's the best thing about being a beginner. Yeah. You know, you just and and you might discover um a way of doing stuff that you know i think sometimes it's better just to jump in it because you 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 do things differently to how someone would teach you but then, that doesn't mean it's the wrong way mm-hmm. you're probably going to discover something that's better
0: for you or yeah yeah innovative yeah who should we be following in the fiber arts world
1: man there are just so many people and things and i'm trying to think of like so i can think of so many people that you should follow that probably have massive following mm. but that doesn't mean you shouldn't follow them who i'm going to say that i'm slightly excited about because i met her in real life um not long ago at the fiber fair was queen babs yeah jane jane <laughs> okay jane yeah yeah. because yeah. her name is not actually queen babs and she's yeah. the um she's the yarn bomber that yarn bombs around my area in redford mm. and she was just so lovely Um, and she, yeah, she just is so positive and, um, I know, I think she's got a, I don't know if it's a Kickstarter campaign, but she's doing like a yarn drive at the moment or, or like, um, donate money so she can buy yarn because yarn bombing, if you think about it, it uses up so much yarn. Yeah. And, you know, she says like, I can't afford to keep doing all this. So yeah, Yeah. that's pretty exciting. And in terms of. Weave, weaving fever. You must follow. Is it Marianne Moody? Yeah, yeah. Her stuff is just amazing. Yeah, but she doesn't need me shouting out because she has so many followers. But she is an amazing weaver. Yeah, I think with Weaver Fever, there are a lot of weavers that are a bit like
0: like her technique
1: mm. is amazing. Mm. It's so fine.
0: I think what I really liked. I listened to the Warful episode with. Marianne? Yeah, I think I think ago. I
1: did too, actually.
0: Yeah, this was like when I first learned about Wolf when I, we were in the car. Narayan and I were driving back and <laughs> from some camping trip, and she was talking about how she like lets the yarn speak to her, and he was like, oh, that's so hokey, but I was just completely loving it, and I was loving too how her kind of theory about all this was while you're starting, make those mistakes – make those pieces of art like just do it. Don't sell those things straight away. Like when you're still learning, just just do the learning and then like put in the hard yards mm. for learning it and you know, give those pieces away to your family and friends and see how those pieces wear and see whether they're color fast and light fast and all these things. And once you've like really mastered the technique and I think especially with weaving because it is the the technique, the original mm. technique is so like basic. Then, like, once you've really mastered it, then start kind of putting your work into the world. And that was some advice, I think, that her husband gave her, to, like, wait until you have, you know, kind of significant amount of technique behind you and sort of practical skills. And then, then put your stuff out into the world and start selling. And I think it was cool that she was able to, like, even though people were asking for her stuff, like she had followers she has wanting to she very good self-control. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought that was I thought that was a really unique perspective. I took
1: away from that um, interview, which I kind of was talking about just before. Mm. She said that she she was self-taught. Did you yeah. listen to that bit? Yeah, and how when she kind of got more into the weaving community, she was like, "Oh, I was doing that as well, but I called it something different, like yeah. the different stitches and stuff." Yeah. I just, it's because I, um, my, I totally was self taught on my knitting machine as well because there's just, there's not that many resources out there. Mm. So there was like a, a couple of YouTube videos and I just kind of started doing stuff and now I'm more into it. I kind of learn what the names of what I was doing are. Yeah. But I think that's great. Just do it. Yeah. Just, just, just see what happens.
0: Yeah, just start. Okay. Well, are there any other things that you want to talk about today? No, no, I think I'm good. I think I've rambled enough. <laughs> no, it's been great. Thanks for thanks for coming in, Caitlin. Thanks for listening to episode one of the close Knit Podcast. I really enjoyed having that conversation with Caitlin, and I hope that you liked listening to it as well. If you liked what you're hearing, you can subscribe via iTunes for more. And please leave us a review and share us with your friends because that'll help us reach more people in the fiber arts community. If you'd like to be involved in the Close Knit Podcast or you know someone who'd be a good fit for the Close Knit Podcast, please get in touch. Send an email to hello at closeknit.com.au. Thanks for tuning in.